Loretta. He's the man, the man with the Midas touch. Has he given you another series? No, he won't give me one. <laughs> give him another series, you swine. Yeah, give me another series, you shit. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Crash Bang Wallop, what a podcast. <laughs> Check out what this idiot did in America. <laughs> My name is Stuart Brooks and I'm joined today by our very own Kai and Tai. It's Paul Taka Michinuku Scrivens. <laughs> Stop making fun of my speech impediment. And Adam Choppy Choppy Your PP Wikes San. Oh That's classic, like, yeah. 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 That's uh, not actually sorry, person, sorry, I thought but... you were going in some kind of faux Japanese accent then. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. He already did his Kim Jong-il voice the other episode, didn't he? Yeah, he called me a racist. So I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> Good. Right, Michael, if he hits me, will you hit him first? No, he's a customer. I can't hit customers, I've been told. Uh, I'll go get some stock. Yeah, chicken stock. <laughs> Hello, Anne. Len, hand me the apple pie. And remove yourself from the theatre of conflict. What do you mean? Go stand by the Yakults. <laughs> the temperature inside this apple turnover <laughs> is 1,000 degrees. If I squeeze it, a jet of molten Bramley apple <laughs> is going to squirt out. Could go your way, could go mine. <laughs> Either way, one of us is going down. Alan, I've just come to make peace. What, you're not going to kick my head in? <laughs> no, I'm not. I just think we should shake hands, you know? Huh? You've not got one of those... The electric uh... buzzer? No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> You're all right, you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> How long did you put this in for, then? Eight minutes. It's hotter than the sun. The following are our Alan Partridge favourite suggestions. Joseph McCormack. Partridge 316 says, I'm 47, my girlfriend's 33, she's 14 years younger than me. Back of the net. <laughs> Paul, I think you'll like this one. Daniel Walker. During Hogan's entrance, some farmers drop a cow on him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who else are you going to get to do this main event? Buff Bagwell. Well, <laughs> he, he's primarily a mid-card wrestler. He's an unknown <laughs> quantity. quantity. Jack Willoughby. Duplicate Yokozuna's sumo gimmick for Bastion Booger. Fatu as Rikishi and Giant Haystacks. Then take fat people from the inner cities, put them in big nappies, <laughs> and then get them all to throw each other out of a circle that we draw with chalk on the ground. Very cheap to gimmick and feud to make. Do it in a pub car park. If the WWE Network doesn't do it, Sky will. <laughs> I like very, it. Very big good. points for the partridge. Mm. Dan Davis. It was the dream of Ken Raper. <laughs> to prove all the bullies in school who taunted him for his unfortunate last name wrong by becoming top professional wrestling superstar. Sadly, it didn't come true, and he's now living in a travel tavern, just recording ideas for angles on his dictaphone in hopes he gets a meeting with Vince McMahon. Very nice. That, that, I like that. Big fan. Alistair Harding. I had two boyhood dreams. The first was to get a mention on a podcast about mid to late 90s American wrestling, which I achieved on the Slammies episode probably never to be repeated. The second was to host a military-based quiz show called Skirmish on digital TV channel UK Conquest. Well, well I hope that second dream's <laughs> yes. gone well for you. Ross Bell. The APWO, 
led by Alan Partridge, who recently turned heel after he was denied a second series, he stabbed <laughs> BBC Director of Programming Tony Hares with a cheese knife. He takes the Hogan role as leader. He is originally joined by the big man, Tex, the one-man convoy, <laughs> <laughs> and the slightly smaller man, Michael, the gas station clerk. They cause havoc in the BBC. Along the way, the APWO grows with new members, Dan and Valet Lynn. She caved in and joined after being offered 9k a year. <laughs> they even recruit new BBC director of programming, Chris Feathers, before a tragic incident takes his young life. Their main feud is with the rather unconventional three-man pairing from a local hotel, led by Susan, and she is followed by her disciples, Ben and Sophie. To cut a long story short, the APWO are forced to disband and look for alternative work after losing a chocolate mousse on a bowl match, after interference from Alan's former flame and new hotel employee, Jill, causes Alan to leave WCW with chocolate mousse all over his face. That, that is genius. Yeah, yeah, that is well thought who, out. Who, who, who was that by? Ross Bell. Well done. <laughs> Probably Ian Bell's brother as well, isn't it? Yeah, I, I like to think the England cricket team are sat like, <laughs> in I, their dressing again, room. Again, it's not been in the current ODI series. Though, well, they've got spare time. Spare then. time. I really like this next suggestion. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of this. Richard Query. Alan Partridge forms Wings, the backstage <laughs> politician the clique could have been. <laughs> Amongst the members are Dan Severin, because Alan likes shouting the name Dan! Jesse, Bill Oddie Ventura. <laughs> The police, or as they're now known, Sting. <laughs> Paige to get her views on the possessionisation of Norwich City Centre. And Jet from Gladiators. <laughs> when the click gives Alan too much grief, he forces them to smell his cheese. Needless to say, he had the last laugh. Now, now that is very good. Now, you know, some people probably have never heard of Alan Partridge, but I'm just going to tell you, that is brilliant. <laughs> Richard Quarry, sir, you are a genius. Juan A. Rodriguez. Good name. Tanaka316 says, They've rebadged me, you fool. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Green. As Scott Hall and Kevin Nash tease the appearance of the mysterious third man, Norwich's best regional detective is sent to the case. That's right, pulling up at Monday Night Nitro in his new Audi A3 turbo diesel, out steps Swallow. (laughs) He's a cool 50. Over the weeks leading to Bash at the Beach, we follow Swallow as he searched for this so-called third man, while helping himself to his fisherman friends and the odd word puzzle, and occasionally popping off to be sick in the toilets Chris Benoit and Kevin Sullivan aren't brawling in. After no luck, on the night of Bash at the Beach, he completes a thousand-piece jigsaw, only for the face <laughs> of the third man to be revealed. Hulk Hogan! Needless to say, Swallow had the last laugh. P.S. <laughs> This could also lead to members of WCW appearing on Celebrity Skirmish against the Family Ness. <laughs> Excellent stuff. You've still not read Partridge's autobiography, have you? No. That's where he lists his plans for the regional detective Swallow. All, all detectives, he says, have to have like a, a hidden vice, like you know, like being an alcoholic or a drug addict. Swallow's is that he's bulimic. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. My cash down. Due to having to attend an NXT title match in Japan... Finn Balor is giving away his cherished ticket to go to Legoland with Sean Connery. <laughs> Connery will be secretly wishing he was wandering around the Wildfowl Park in Pepperstock with a bottle squash. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, disagree. Goodbye. <laughs> I really like that. Thank you. Andrew McGrillen, Santa with Muscles, starring Hulk Hogan. Opening scene is Hulk Hogan standing in Trafalgar Square amongst the pigeons going, Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> right, I'm a big fan of this next suggestion. 
I wonder who this is from. It's only from Richard Quarry. <laughs> who, who's tapped into my love for Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge is proud of how, in 1975, he was catching the London train from Crew Station. It was very crowded. He found himself in a last-minute rush for the one remaining seat <laughs> with a tall, good-looking man with collar-length hair. It was the 70s. Buckaroo. <laughs> When Alan sat down on the chair, he looked up and realised it was none other than Peter Purvis. It was the height of his Blue Peter fame. Peter said, you jammy bastard. And quick as a flash, Alan replied, don't be blue, Peter. Needless to say, he had the last laugh and is proud of it. And if you don't think he should be, he'll tell you to fuck off. (laughs) I think that might be the longest thing you've ever read out without making a single mistake. Yeah, very well done. Honestly, folks, I promise, no edits there. That was straight up first read. Marek rants. Gold dust taped over the spy who loved me. (laughs) (laughs) Mitchell Orwell. He got chocolate mousse on the valance. (laughs) A skirt thing round the side of the bed. (laughs) John Neve. You returned home to find Scrivens with his foot pierced on a spike at the garden gate after swallowing a load of anthrax and letting off in Adam's bedroom. <laughs> all, all, all he had to say was, Oh, did you have a good time? <laughs> what? <laughs> What's the whole thing about the anthrax? That's in Partridge, isn't it? Isn't that one of the excuses that he gives to the hotel? Oh, yeah, it might be, yeah. yeah. No, is, it, oh is, that, my is that a God. partridge joke you didn't get? I've been wow. Out, I've been outpartridged, as it's known. Ross Bell. Right, I'm going to go for this. Billy Golden Gun. <laughs> Entrance video. I'm Billy Gun. Bang! Board <laughs> dribbles down. We're on a submarine. Two sailors sit down and have a game of chess. Then the cups start wobbling, and then a man who used to be in the Adidon line comes in and goes, why are the cups wobbling? What's going on? And then he peers down the periscope thing and looks through it and goes, oh my God, the submarine's being eaten by a giant tanker. (laughs) And then we cut to Moscow. And then there's a man and he's Russian. He's got eyebrows, you know. He's on the phone going, what? A whole submarine? You're joking. I'm going to have to tell some other Russians, see ya! <laughs> right. And then and then it cuts to Billy, and uh, he, yes, he, he's with a lady. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's necking with her. And he goes, I've got to go, love. Some, something's come up. And then he, he, he puts on his underpants and his ski suit and gets on his skis and starts uh, starts skiing. He's being chased by these Russian shits in black jumpsuits with with lemon piping, and uh, he's just skiing along like that, and they start shooting him, and he goes, right, I've had enough of that, and stop it. (laughs) And he turns around with his gun, and then he does a backward somersault off this ramp, and he he lands on his feet, I'm not sure why, but he's not showing off. And then he goes over a cliff, and and he's falling, and he's oh, God, Billy's going to die, he's going to die! Until suddenly he appears with a parachute made of a giant picture of Sonny and he glides to safety. Stop getting Billy Gunn wrong. <laughs> oh, well, 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 yes. Yeah, very, very nice. Yeah, your done. performance yeah, that was, yeah, was, really good. was five star. Oh, I think that's, that's me for the episode, boys. Are you, are you spent now? I said, to be honest, as this world goes, is to be one man picked out of 10,000.
That's very good. It's worthy of Shakespeare, that. Very good. It is Shakespeare. Well it's, well, it's, well, it's better than that. It's worthy of the great bard. <laughs> Have you ever seen Hamlet? Uh, Simon yes, Hester, yes. Please. I saw it with Alan Rickman. Who did you see it with? My wife, Carol. <laughs> no, no, no. Who's playing the lead? Hamlet. Uh, oh, yes, the great actor Bert Hamlet. Simon, no, which actor on, was playing the lead? Um, uh, yes? Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> well, I don't know. It was a long time ago. It was before you were born. You wouldn't remember it. Have you seen Citizen Kane? Yes, I've watched every episode. Power to the people. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Beauty and the Beast? Yes. John Cocteau's? No. Have you read Metamorphosis? Yes. Who's it by? No, I haven't read it. <laughs> Have you read any Dickens? No. Do you go to the bank? No. Can you no. play chess? No. Do you know any Russian? Uh, no. What, no. What about you? I'll you. Anything. Right. Right. You. Have, have you got any pubic hair? <laughs> no, I haven't you... because I'm nine. No, I'm thirty-seven and I've got plenty. All right. <laughs> Can you do this? Ah. Uh... No, because my voice has exactly. Broken. Don't forget it. And, and, and uh, one more. Are you a boy or a girl? I'm a Boy. Really? My name's Simon. Really? It could be Simone. Could be Simone, because you sound like a girl. I'm a boy, and my yeah. name is Simon. Yeah. You've, you've got something on your shoulder there. <gasps> oh, no, you've gone too <laughs> far. You really apologize. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. It's my mistake. I'm not very good with kids. It's Carol's, I've got a bad temper. But you are a little shit. <laughs> That said, that said, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Fishers. So before we get going today, I just want to add a couple of quick questions that were intended for our Q&A episode, but they were sent by private message and I forgot to put them in. So we'll try and answer them quickly here. They're all from Steve Hurst and are as follows. Number one, which of you is the biggest Partridge fan? Me. Yeah, yeah, it I is definitely it goes, Paul. Goes yeah. to Paul. Although he's never seen Banged Up Abroad. Banged Up Abroad? You've never seen Banged Up Abroad. Two, would you consider doing a podcast about Partridge as a one-off? Yes. I'm not quite sure how we'd incorporate uh, that. Yeah, I'm not sure how, how it would work. Or how we could make it any more funny than it actually already is. Yeah. Or it would just be you doing Partridge impressions for 45 <laughs> minutes. Maybe it would just be me just reliving the script. Yeah. Maybe like we that? could do it like that Fraser episode where they do the radio play. Oh, ham, uh, yeah, uh, Radio Ham. Or Ham Radio. Number ham radio. three, which Partridge-related characters would make good wrestling gimmicks? I nominate Simon Fisher, the child prodigy. Now, now that's a, a slightly obscure one because that's from the No Me, No You radio series. Yeah. But that is genius. And just for that one person who probably get it, Daddy, I've wet myself. I get it, I've heard it. You've heard it? Yeah. Brilliant, I, I love that. Simon, Simon Fisher would be very good. I like Tony Lamesma. Right. You know, because he could have a kind of sorcerer's gimmick. Yeah. Mini Driver, when she was the transsexual. Was was that Mini Driver? On oh, Knowing Me, Knowing You. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she could have some kind of Nicole Bass oh, type the, the, thing. Oh, so, talking about, look at your hands, great big flapping hands like a goalkeeper. Yeah, that one. My suggestion is that they just give the Michael character to Adrian Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be and, good. And his gimmick is that no one understands him and, I don't know, like he works in WWE mm. catering. They, they, they did have well, another one on the radio series a long time ago that they did have kind of a vague member of kind of the outer royalty yeah. who Partridge was trying to get to admit that she wanted to be queen. <laughs> and it's just, just like trying to outline the scenarios where that might happen. So if there was a minibus with, with lots of the inner royalty just falling off a cliff, then would you want to be the queen? Yes, of course you would. It's only natural. <laughs> But but she could have like kind of regal type gimmick, but yeah. female because I don't think that's has that been done particularly. No, 
Vicky Guerrero was basically Lynn, wasn't she, as like a general manager? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Kind of Tony Hairs is like a Vince Tony McMahon Hairs. type character. <laughs> Tony Hairs would be brilliant. He could decide whether to commission people's matches. Yeah, yeah. And people could ask them to smell his cheese. Cheese. This isn't an actual question written down, but what's your favourite Partridge moment then, Paul? It's very hard. I mean, I'm a big, big fan of... I mean, the episode where he gets stuck under the cow is... Oh, yeah, yeah. Is fantastic. Yeah, the the, the farmers. Just just the whole spinal column in the bat moment is... What is it they shout at him when they push the cow off the bridge? Well, they shout something at him, don't they? They definitely call him a wanker. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it, when he's sailing by on the boat, isn't it? And they're like, boy, Partridge, you wanker. Yeah, wasn't yeah. And the whole speech about, is it Willie Thorne or Cliff, Cliff Thorburn? Thorburn? That's it, being an unknown not, quantity. Not primarily an snoo- ex-snooker player. I have to say, I think some of my favourite ones are the sports commentary ones from the day-to-day. They yeah, are brilliant. Great. I rewatched. in fact, I sent it to you on Facebook, didn't I? The, the horse racing commentary one yeah. with all the bizarre names, like Two-Headed Headed Sex Beast. <laughs> Massive bereavement. Massive bereavement. Yeah. There's, there's the one where he's with the horse rider who's getting changed. Changed, yeah. <laughs> That, just like brilliant. takes the top off, just like see him just peering down. And obviously, the football World Cup commentary is absolutely oh, football brilliant. Football World Cup is brilliant. Yeah. But the, I mean, if anybody's a Partridge fan and they haven't checked out the radio series of No Me Knowing You, go and find those. They are brilliant. And also, we can thoroughly recommend the Mid Morning Matters as well, which I think you bought Adam for Christmas last year. Didn't yes, you? did. Yeah, that's really really that, good. That, that's really good. And if you've never seen Banged Up Abroad, make sure you watch Banged Up Abroad. Oh, definitely, yeah. What, Have you the... read the book yet? No. Read his autobiography, because that is brilliant as the, well. Uh, um, we need to talk about... Alan. Alan, yeah. I've listened to an audio book. Have you heard the audio I've book? I've not heard the audio Because when it's got him narrating yeah. in Partridge's voice, that takes it up a notch. My favourite thing about the whole book, I think, is the way he always refers to Lynn as my assistant. Like, mm. he doesn't name her once <laughs> in the book. She comes up loads. And presumably, if you've never seen the show, you wouldn't know who he's talking about. But yeah, never refers to her by name. Well, I heard an interview with him a while ago. And one of the things that him and Armando Iannucci, apparently, if they used to meet up, one of the things that they'd do is, even if they weren't planning to do anything with Alan Partridge, was, was just kind of plotting what he might be doing, kind of in the mean points, just to give him the kind of the richness of that backstory. Right, so just imagining yeah. what was going on yeah. in his life. Yeah, and one of the things when they came to do the book is they had somebody literally going through everything with Partridge in and literally putting together a, like a, a timeline. proper timeline right. when things were meant to have happened, so it's all kind of, you know, instantly with each other. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Well, that's awesome, actually. Now the sport with Alan Partridge. Thanks, Chris. And it's a special desk of sport this week, as we look forward to all the sporting action that will take place in this year's 1994 World Cup Finals in America, in Alan Partridge's World Cup Countdown to 94. Goal! Yes, 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 yes! That was a goal! That was liquid football! Uh. Shit! Did you see that? He must have a foot like a traction engine! Goal! Goldust attacks Stalker in the aisle and they brawl, but quickly get back in the ring. Doc Hendricks interrupts. It'll be the first of many interruptions to matches tonight. Yeah. And he says he has been contacted by Steve Austin, who wants to talk to Vince McMahon. Well, he says Vinnie Mac. I like the way he says Vinnie Mac, I've got to be honest. I don't, I don't like Doc Hendricks, but he wants to talk to you, Vinnie Mac. 
Austin calls in and says that he is on his way to Brian Pillman's home. He says Pillman took his interview time and tried to turn it into a shrine to Bret Hart. Although for me the the sound changes slightly through this interview, it starts off really weird, the sound on this, and it, to me it didn't sound like Austin. And just to put in just an Alan Partridge reference, just because we never do. You know the first Knowing Me Knowing You TV episode? Yeah. Where he's going to get Roger Moore on his show and he gets somebody who isn't Roger Moore just to pretend to be Roger Moore on the phone yeah. so I can say I was on the show it, it sounds like that it sounds like somebody else <laughs> is just pretending to be Austin no I'm pretty sure it's Steve and it's just like is, is, is this on Roger 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 <laughs> Austin also debuts the slightly lesser known catchphrase Austin 2517 and tells us he has a six pack while he's driving I've got a six pack of whoop ass riding shotgun with me I've got to say I thought it was a really cool line yeah, I hope Whoopass is non-alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that it is. So he's drink-driving around a neighbourhood. Okay. Basically. JR says that the clique kept a lot of pressure on Vince creatively, and Hunter brings up their Indianapolis meeting with McMahon. They all rang Vince and bitched on the phone, so Vince and Gerald Briscoe flew to the show to meet with them. They took everybody in the company's name, put it on a piece of paper, and discussed each talent and what they thought the direction of the company should be. That's not having good sway over the direction, then. I don't know what is. I almost want that sort of sway over the company I work in. I wish I could just get a list of all the other employees and go, no, fire that guy. It's a bit like that bit in the Partridge movie, just sack Pat. (laughs) Just sack Shane. The officials managed to get Steve Austin to the outside of the ring as Tyson's entourage calmly hold him in the corner. Big Austin chants from the crowd. Vince McMahon leans out of the ring shouting, You've ruined it, damn it, in Austin's <laughs> face. Austin's response, and, and of all the sign language we've seen from Steve Austin, which is quite a lot, the way he just sticks his finger up at Vince while... Gerald Briscoe and Sergeant Slaughter and all these guys are holding him back and Vince is leaning in the rope, sort of so pissed off in his face. Like, the way Austin defiantly sticks the finger <laughs> up at Vince here is just amazing. Yeah, it's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's spilt Sunday Delight all over Mike Tyson. <laughs> now, my next guest... Was it you can leave now? My next... My next guest can be described as... Uh, a singer. Please welcome a singer, Noel Gallagher. Yeah, all right. Knowing, knowing me, Alan Partridge. Well, that's a kind of misbehaviour I'd expect from your brother. Okay, now. Now, knowing me, Alan Parsons, knowing you, Noel Gallagher, aha. Aha. <laughs> Coward, Edmonds, Gordon, and now Gallagher. What is it about Knowles throughout the ages that has captured the public imagination? Um, you're not the first Noel, you're not the second Noel, you're not the third, you're the fourth Noel. What, what, is, it that, what is it that links all those, those four very important people together? What's the common denominator? Well, we're all called Noel. It's as simple as that. Okay, well, we've run out of time. One more time, just one more question. One more question. Is it true you're planning a rock musical entitled Ring Ring, based on the life of Alexander Graham Bell, starring Darren Day? No. No. You heard it here first. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Nigel Gallagher, stay there. 
Dean attempts to run Ray into the ropes, but Ray brings Malenko through the ropes to the outside where he hits the cameraman. I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but I don't know if it was because Ray's shoulder was genuinely hurting. But when it kind of gets to this stage in the match, when he's running the ropes, he's actually holding his shoulder at some points. It's good at and, selling. Yeah, well, I didn't know if it was the selling or genuinely was in pain because he'd been worked on so much. Also, did you spot that when Malenko hit a cameraman, he didn't actually throw a paddy? He didn't. So, yeah. Yeah, difference. And just at this point, Adam was saying, I've got chocolate all over my hand, it's everywhere. Explain. Uh, well, we'd just been eating an Easter egg while we'd been doing this. Paul had brought round an Easter egg and, you know, we, we sh- and we kind of shared it. And a bit must have fallen onto my crotch. And over the course of this match, it melted. And the first thing I noticed was I had chocolate all over my page. Uh, I tore it out, didn't well, I? Yeah. But, and then but, I realised it was all over my hand. And it was, then I it, was, it was actually all over my crotch. And it looked like some sort of dirty protest. protest. Well, yeah. that's what we said. But um, it's interesting how you noted it initially it was all over my crotch, but the first time you noticed it was on your hand. And I just, <laughs> the connection there was what had you been doing? Yeah. Why had your hand been all over your crotch during this match? And why was it covered in chocolate? (laughs) Vince tells us that we might need to call somebody as it's time for Sonny's home sex video. Like, would you really want to call people and tell them that? I suppose I would call you. Like, (laughs) Dude, Sonny's about to have a sex tape. Yeah, if, 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 if I was like... 17 years old at this time as I would have been and I legitimately thought that there was going to be a sunny sex tape on I probably would call you you'd have to call my house phone and then ask probably my mum <laughs> to put me on the phone at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night Sunny says put the kids away probably a good idea <laughs> well if you've got them up at half past 11 at night you're probably doing a bad job anyway especially if you watched week one would you have really been <laughs> Get kids, it's time for shotgun Saturday night. <laughs> kids, watch some real low grade low production wrestling. <laughs> I'll throw to Adam for play by play on what happens on the sex tape. So, so in fact, tell us now what, what were your expectations going in? Paul wants to know. Yeah, what were you expecting? Well, normally in your bog standard sex tape, two people will have sex. Okay, that that's my understanding of it. So, have, have you watched any sex tapes? I think I've seen the Pamela Anderson one. Obviously, Tommy Lee steers a boat with his cock. What? But, but that's quite, that's the that's true the, story. That's the unique selling point of that sex tape. <laughs> steers a boat. Was it yes. a boat? It, 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 it's what is knob or the boat? It, it's for people who really fancy Pamela Anderson in the nineties and nautical enthusiasts. <laughs> Okay. Shoestring, Taggart, Spender, Bergerac, Morse. What does that say to you about regional detective series? There's too many of them. That's one way of looking at it. Uh, another way of looking at it is people like them, let's make some more of them. Um, a detective series based in Norwich called Swallow. Swallow is, uh, is a detective who tackles vandalism. Bit of a maverick. Not afraid to break the law if he thinks it's necessary. Um, you know, he's not a criminal, you know, but you know, he, he will perhaps travel at 80 miles an hour on the motorway if, he, for example, he wants to get somewhere quickly. <laughs> but think about it. No-one no had heard of Oxford before Inspector Morse. <laughs> I mean, th- this, this will put Norwich on the map. Why would I want to do that? Yep, fair point. <laughs> OK, um, right, Alan Attack. Like the Cook reports, but with a more slapstick approach. <laughs> uh, arm wrestling with Chaz and Dave. <laughs> I don't think so. 
pity because they were they were very keen on that one. Right now you you like you like this. Right. Knowing M.E., knowing you, I, Alan Partridge, talk to M.E. sufferers um, about the condition. Um, you know, we, we intersperse it with their favourite pop songs, make it light-hearted, you know, give them a platform. You, 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 you've got to keep the energy up, because you can't... Can. You don't like it, that's all right. No. That's okay. Inner City Sumo. What's that? We take fat people from the inner cities, put them in big nappies, and then uh, get them to throw each other out of a circle that we draw with chalk on the ground. No, it's a bad idea. Very cheap to make. <laughs> do it in a pub car park. No. no. <laughs> if you don't do it, Sky works. Well, I'll live with that. Is what, that it? What? Um, no, no, no. Um, cooking in prison. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, a, a partridge amongst the pigeons. What's that? Well, it's just a title, I mean, um... <laughs> well, no, it, uh, opening sequence, me in Trafalgar Square, feeding the pigeons, going, oh, God! No, no I'm sorry, no, stop! Youth hosteling with Chris Eubank. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey tennis? Chris Pilkington asks, what are your thoughts on the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre? They do say it will help people in wheelchairs. Personally, I'm dead against it. Um, Traders do need access to Dixons. Dixons. Yeah. Dixons! I actually lived in Norwich for a few years. Personally, I think it's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say one thing, that um, as a a driver, driving around Norwich isn't the easiest place to get around. I've been caught up not going where I wanted to before because of one-way systems and stuff. Excellent. That's a slightly more serious but less popular answer. (laughs) (laughs) Richard Quarry, who is the best lord? Lord of the Rings, of the Dance, or of the Flies? I'm going to go with of the Rings. I'll second of the Rings. I don't... I've not watched any of these. I've seen bits of Lord of the Dance. (laughs) Uh, Michael Flatley. (laughs) (laughs) Flatly, my dear. I, I don't, don't river, river dance. dance. <laughs> I think we've reached the silly section of the questions. <laughs> Stuart Bylam, who invented the skip? <laughs> well, that, that's a very interesting question, because I think it was Bobby Moore, wasn't it? Yeah, Bob... I don't bloody know. <laughs> <laughs> well, although skips have been used in the mining industry for a long time, the first use of a skip-like container removed by a lorry for rubbish disposal was probably in Southport in 1922. It came about as a result of Edwin Walker of the lorry manufacturer Pagefield meeting Southport Borough's engineer. He, like other town's engineers, faced the problem of growing distances between household refuse collection rounds and dumping grounds. Horse-drawn refuse carts were effective in town but not in covering the distances to waste tips. Another unknown area of my expertise is actually who invented the skip. Oh, wow. The resulting Pagefield system used 300-foot horse-drawn containers on a 20-inch diameter wheel when full were winched to the back of a Pagefield lorry to make a relatively speedy trip to a distant dump. A more up-to-date system, not relying on horses, but still created by municipal enterprise and needs and not by the purely commercial initiatives of modern-day skip-hire operators, was launched by the Letchworth firm of S&D in 1926. Harry Shelvoke and his partner James Drury had developed a revolutionary small-wheeled petrol engine truck, the Freighter, in 1922. It had hand control to make things easy 
easier for ex-horsemen to drive. Scores of applications followed, including in 1926 a system featuring sideways-mounted skips for the Marylebone area of London. Several skips could be carried across the chassis at once, basically. The freighter, with all of its different applications, was such a good idea that someone reinvented the skip. The present-day <laughs> skip is, environmentalists please note, less clean than those early Pagefield and S&D systems. They had closely fitting lids on their containers. The growth of DIY as a leisure activity and the need to replace parts of Victorian houses, not just repair them, have probably contributed as much to skip growth as outright gentrifications of inner suburbs. Of course you didn't need us to tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) But you already know that. Should we put the lights on or should we we wait 15 minutes? Never mind that, Alan. All I want to know is can you give us a pyrotechnics and light show? Absolutely. We can do you pyrotechnics. (laughs) Um, But I recommend you start with a couple of humorous comments, uh, a couple of jokes, perhaps. We don't want a clown, Alan. Oh, God, no, no, you don't want a clown. No, no, I mean, they'd never get to the podium with those long shoes on. (laughs) Actually, how do clowns go down in South Africa? Because with all that makeup on, they're neither one thing nor the other. (laughs) Are they allowed on buses? Look, Alan. No clowns, no gags. Just, just a couple of jokes. No, Alan, no. Please. No, you can't. Well, there's no need for that. <laughs> I wanted to do a couple of jokes. You can't. You've done it again. <laughs> You've said it again. Just because I've got a shit table. <laughs> what do you want? I want you to turn the lights on. Good call, Michael. Hi. Oh, you're there. Sorry. Um, shall we pop the lights oh, right. on? Hi, Why'd you heat? Come and do it. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, it, it uh... <laughs> now... It, it does look to me like, uh, torches attached to a bicycle wheel. <laughs> uh, probably designed by the same person who did the table. <laughs> yeah. I like South Africa, and I hated those people who wouldn't trade with you in the 80s. Yeah, I, I carried on buying your tomatoes all through that period. You say tomato, I say tomato. You say tomato. <laughs> I say potato, you say potato. <laughs> Let's call the whole thing a thoroughly nice chap and uh, doesn't matter what the race is. <laughs> Lynn! Yes. Oh, you're there. Um, I, I don't think this is quite bright enough. I think we're going to have to go nuclear. Look, Alan, it's too late to cancel. Okay? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's easily done. If you can be angry, if you, you don't mind being angry down the centre of the table. <laughs> I tell you, when this meeting's over, I'm taking this table back. It's bloody useless. <sighs> You've hit the hazards! <laughs> if I said full beam once, I must have said it a dozen times. <laughs> Level with me, Pete. Have I got this job? Given that it's too late to book anyone else, the answer has to be yes. Jack and Akinori. Matt Butler, I once asked William Regal on Twitter if he was to star in a British sitcom, which would he choose and who would he book as his co-stars? I'd be interested to hear what he said. So my challenge to you, Stu, Paul and Adam, is to book in the new gen into an episode of Partridge and uh, book yourself into an episode of Father Ted. I think this was one for you rather than us. Well, I think the Father Ted one would have to be kicking Bishop Brennan up the arse. (laughs) Because... That is possibly one of the finest episodes of any comedy ever. Oh, it's tricky with Partridge. I mean, I do like... Hang on a minute. So if we were all in Father Ted, who would we be? 
Just like the priest, just like knocking around, staying, staying with him. I think I'm going to go with Stuart as Ted, you as Dougal, and uh, I guess me as Jack. <laughs> yeah, that'd be about That right. makes about the most sense. <laughs> I think in terms of Partridge, I do like the kind of um, Canal Holiday episode. I think oh. it's Watership Island, I think it's called. Kane as, as um, the guy with the yeah. voice box. We could, we, we could be booked as angry farmers on the side of the river. Yeah. Terence Patrick. If you could only watch three TV programmes for the rest of your life, what would you pick and why? Alan Partridge, because during my A-levels I did watch, I, did, I had, I'm Alan Partridge, the, the six episodes of the series on two separate VHSs. Yeah. And I would watch the first three one night and then the next night I'd watch the next three and then I'd go back and literally for about a year and a half, <laughs> like alternated between those two. Like the, the resolution by the end of it was, was terrible. terrible. So that would be one of them just because I think you need some comedy to kind of pick you up this might look silly now, sometimes it, when you go back and watch something, they can look quite dated, but Buffy, in terms of personally, takes me to, you know, a nice place. Right. Kind of in, in my age. Life. Yeah, in, kind of, in, my, in my life. That's a better way of putting it, Stuart, thank you. Third one, any TV shows? Probably something that if it was allowed to keep running, so that there was always current on, I think it'd be nice to have something to keep you kind of in touch with reality. I'm not saying reality TV, but but I, I actually really like The Apprentice. So, so, again, it's just on at the minute, so probably missing it now. But I think, you know, that would actually just keep you in kind of in touch, let's say, with normality. It's not normality, but... The Apprentice would keep you in touch with normality. Well, well, not normality, but you get that sense of this is what the world is like, where my other shows, this is what the world was like, say, in the 1990s, where at least that would be happening in current day. That's the difference. You could so just pick the news. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I don't really watch the news very much. <laughs> so you use The Apprentice as as a gauge... Window on the world. For... <laughs> window, w- window into a boardroom. Yeah. Yeah. Adam? I'll probably have the news. Because for the rest of your life, for I want... Steph. To... <laughs> for Steph. I want something that's going to keep on being made every day. I want fresh content. Right. Now, although the BBC only since have, like, three stories, one of them being how everyone's going to get Alzheimer's, but <laughs> I'd like some fresh content coming But you'd through. never find out how the PM fucked a dead pig because they didn't cover that. There's no programme that really did cover that, is there? Where's Charlie Brooker when you need him? Well, yeah. Pr- probably Game of Thrones at the minute. I, I do like that, and that keep me up with my, you know, quota of beheadings and nudity. <laughs> and then something quite relaxing. Maybe... Red Shoe Diaries. Maybe Planet Earth, that cracking documentary on the natural world. Well, I feel like you've given better answers than me because I've just got three comedies. What are they? I'm Alan Partridge because, yeah, I've probably not watched it as much as Paul. Hmm. I've I've not worn out a VHS or anything, but, (laughs) but, you know, I've I've watched it many times. I I will point out, I didn't get out a lot and I lived in a very isolated area. (laughs) I've got Game On, which is something I don't think we've mentioned. Not a lot, but a lot it is before, great. But, yeah. but we're all big fans of that, and it's, it's got quite a lot of sentimental and, like Paul says, takes takes you to a place in your but life. Nostalgic qualities. Yeah, yeah. And a comedy that I've probably seen the whole run of it, maybe three or four times, and it's about nine seasons, the US version of The Office. You do love that. I'm, I'm not a fan of the UK one, but the US one I absolutely adore. Hmm. And, and, and I quite love Pam. So there you go. I, th- I think comedy d- has got a strange place in keeping you sane. Yeah. I, th- I think comedy is good for the soul. 
On that bombshell, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash New Generation Project Podcast. We are also on Twitter. At the two hours long. New Gen Podcast. You can, as ever, rate, review and subscribe for all of our episodes as soon as they are available on iTunes. If iTunes isn't your thing, you can check out new episodes on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash newgenpodcast, on Stitcher Radio or on piledriverwrestling.net. My name is Stuart Brooks. I shall say goodnight. Bye watch. Goodbye. I'm at Yes Paul Scrivens. Goodbye. You've got your goodbyes relatively normal these days. Yeah, toned it down a bit. Bye.